right. Come on, put your hands together. Hope you got to watch some fireworks last night. We just stepped out our front door, and we let our neighbors spend all the money, and we just watched everyone else's fireworks. We had a great time. Hopefully you had a good time with your family last night. Hey, it's a great day. If you're new here to City Church, we just say welcome home. We're so glad you're here. We had a great first service, and uh, second service just it, you know just gets better. It's, uh, I preach better every time. That's kind of how I feel. And, but I'm so glad that you're here this morning. We all have a story, isn't that right? And our story, our story, as we walk out our journey with Christ, enables us to tell his story. And City Church is moving forward. If you are new here today, in just a few weeks, we're going to be moving off of this campus. We've purchased another location at 1711 Orange Boulevard. Our series this morning and for the next several weeks is entitled Moving Forward. Everyone say Moving Forward. And our, our, our basis for this series is found in the book of Joshua. So you can go ahead and turn to the book of Joshua. But before we go any further this morning, I want to welcome the, the Go Missions team that just got back this last week. I don't know, about 19 or 20, Hank and Joyce and the team, they just got back from the Dominican Republic. They had an incredible time. Can we welcome them home today? Can you do that with me this morning? Welcome home. Welcome home, Go Missions team. They're going to have a recap video for Mission Sunday next week, and they just had an incredible time with God and experienced great favor, and so we look forward to hearing the stories from our mission team. You know, the stories of our life shape us, isn't that right? Uh, even the way we like stuff, don't like stuff, food we like, places we like to go, so much of it's been determined by our story, the places that we grew up, the the communities that we've lived in, the schools that we went to, the people that we hung out with, the movies that we watched, the books that we've read, you know, that all makes up our story. I, I remember when I was a boy, I asked my grandmother how my family ended up in Tucson, Arizona. Well, the story was in 1948, my grandmother got on a train. She lived in New York City with my grandfather and my mom. My mom was six years of age at the time, and she decided, because my mom had asthma, so Back then, back in the day, they would send people from the East Coast who had medical conditions, they would send them out West to get healed or to have a better life. Well, the problem was they brought all their plants and vegetation with them as they traveled out West, so it didn't seem to help much. But uh, 1948, my grandmother got on a train, and she took that train. She Somehow, she, as the train went through Tucson on her way to Los Angeles, she got off the train and said, this looks like a nice city. I think we'll move here. That was it. That's how the story goes. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Well, my life has been shaped by that experience. I mean, that part of the story I had nothing to do with, but my story, the life that I live out, I've had a lot to do with. The decisions that I've made, the places that I've gone, the things that I've done all help to shape my story. But here's the thing, guys. God allows us to walk through this journey of life and give us a story. And some of our stories are speckled. Some of our stories are are good. Some of our stories are not so good. We have all kinds of stories in this room today, but the story is ultimately, ultimately about us being able to tell his story, what God has done in our life, how God has saved us, how God has come and revealed himself to us and shown us his grace and kindness. In our story in the book of Joshua this morning, it's about the children of Israel moving forward. Everyone say, moving forward. They're moving forward. Their father, Abraham, had a revelation of God, an encounter with God. God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. As Abraham went forward in his journey by faith, God used him to tell a story. He became the father of every person that's in this room, spiritually speaking. He stepped out, 
left a land that he knew to a place that he didn't know, was willing to obey God even when he didn't understand. 400 years later, a guy named Moses comes along. Moses has a story. He's left as a little child by the river and the, the, the Pharaoh's daughter, she finds him down by the river and takes him back into Pharaoh's home. And Moses grows up in the king's palace. And, but somewhere along the line, he realizes those really aren't his people. His people are the Jewish people. His, his mother was an Israeli. And he starts to I want to identify with them. And God begins to speak to his heart. But he takes things into his own hands and he murders a man. And for 40 years, he, he's banished into the wilderness, running from Pharaoh. And there, God shows himself and reveals himself and says, Moses, you're going to lead my people. You're going to lead my people out of captivity. Moses has a story. Moses' story includes a young man by the name of Joshua. Joshua walked, walked alongside of this man, Moses. And for 40 years, they wandered through the wilderness. And he learned the leadership lessons of, of life and how to lead and, and how to listen to God and how to obey the words of God. Joshua, now we find last week, we talked about Joshua preparing the people. Preparing the people. He said, in three days, you're going to move forward. Joshua now sends out a couple of spies. Joshua chapter 2, our story this morning, is the story of a woman by the name of Rahab. Everyone say Rahab. Rahab is an interesting character because Rahab, you know, she's got a kind of a, a shady background, to say the least, right? I mean, her, her background, if you know anything about the stories of the Bible, Rahab's story, it, it's, it, it's a little checkered. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 2 as I talk about a grace that saves and a faith that works. A grace that saves and a faith that works. Joshua chapter 2, we're going to read just verse number 1. And we're going to jump right into this. And the Bible says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Chittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered a house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. They entered a house of a prostitute and stayed there. This morning we're going to pray for our nation. Our nation over the last couple of weeks has just gone through some tumultuous times. I, I, I'm preparing to speak on the issue that came into our land by a Supreme Court decision just a couple of weeks ago after we get through this series. But I want to encourage you today. God is still in control. God still loves people. Jesus has the final answer. The fact is today we are soldiers of the cross. We are followers of of Jesus and we're on the winning team and God has called us as a people that whatever nation we find ourselves in wherever place that we live God has called us to be people of blessing and to pray blessing over our nation and that's what we're going to do this morning I'd like to have you stand with me and we're going to face the American flag the Bible commands us as Christians as Christ followers the Bible commands us to pray for kings and those who are in authority actually commands us and it tells us so that it may go well with us. This morning we're going to pray for this great nation. And what my prayer this morning is that there be a true revival of God's spirit and God's power in this land once again, that people would turn back to him. Will you join me this morning as I pray today? Father, I thank you that you've called us to live in this nation, the land of the free and the home of the brave. 
God, I thank you for those who came to this country over 400 years ago with the intent to worship you, not freedom from religion, but freedom of religion, to worship you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through the revelation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And upon that bedrock and upon that foundation, God, although that we realize there have been many twists and many turns and different ways and paths that people have taken, we believe that you desire to bless this nation so that we can be a blessing to the world. Father, I thank you for the believers that are in this nation that have been called to be salt and light, to stand for truth, to stand in love. God, I speak blessing today. I thank you for your favor that's upon our lives as Christians in this land, that we can pray for our president, we can pray for our vice president, we can pray for those who in authority. God, you were able to speak to Nebuchadnezzar when he was in the palace of his, in his generation. God, you sent messengers and prophets to him that caused him to turn his heart towards you. God, I know that you can pray, you can, you can send people into the life of our president, of our leaders, God, that will cause them to turn their hearts towards you. God, I pray for the church of America. God, that we would unite together. We would rally together with a message of grace, faith, and hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you will bless this nation once again by sending us your Holy Spirit and great power in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Everyone should have got a little scarlet thread when you came in like this little scarlet cord. I want to talk to you about this scarlet cord this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about a grace that saves and a faith that works. A grace that saves and a faith that works. I look at the life of this woman by the name of Rahab. I mean, come on, when you look at her life, I mean, she's a lady of the night. She's a prostitute. She's a harlot. She's a streetwalker. She has all kinds of names that they call her in the rap songs. I mean, she's got lots of labels and names attached to her. She's a bad girl, bad girl. What's she going to do? She's a bad girl. A couple of years ago, a woman wrote a book called The Bad Girls of the Bible. And she's one of the bad girls of the Bible. She sells her body for sex. And what's amazing about this story is that this woman demonstrates to us as one of the, one of the models of faith in all, in all those who will follow God for all generations. In the first verse, it says that these two spies who were sent out by Joshua, they found themselves in the city of Jericho that they went in to spy out. They found themselves in the house of a harlot. When I look at this woman's life, what I realize today is that God looks past our labels. God looks past our labels to show us His amazing grace. I mean, we're a culture of labels. We got labels. I, I, I googled, you know, there's all this, this isms today about human sexuality. And there are like 51 different terms that people call themselves. I mean, I never even heard of most of these terms before. There's this ism and metroism and genderism and ism and all kinds. I'm like, what in the world? And people are so, so desperate to find some kind of identity with their life. And the fact is today, this woman was labeled a prostitute because that's who she was. That was who her life was. But God sends two spies into her world. You know what that's called? That's called grace. You know, some in this room have experienced grace in their life because they grew up in a Christian home. They grew up in a home 
parents were Christ followers and God's grace came to them. They, they, they never drifted too far. They just always kind of did the right things. They always kind of stayed part of the family of God. But there's a whole bunch of people in this room that wasn't your experience. You were far from God. You didn't know God. Maybe God wasn't, God was just a curse name in your family. Maybe like in my mother's name, Jesus was considered an illegitimate fam, uh, an illegitimate child. I mean, the things that people say about you, the things that people have said about your life, you get labeled. And this particular woman, she was labeled. And what I see here is that the grace of God seeks the least and the most unlikely. The least and the most unlikely. That's where grace goes. Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God loves to reach out to the broken. God loves to reach out to the hurting. When I look at this story, there's such an amazing story of grace with this woman, Rahab. I mean, she didn't do anything. She was selling her body. God comes into her world through these two men. Two men that cross her path, that represent the God of Israel, that represent the God of salvation and the God of deliverance. I ask myself, why did God leave this story in here? You know, I mean, God left this story in here for you and I. Isn't that right? Why did God do that? Why did God leave this? I mean, he could have just, in the whole book of Joshua, we could have just bypassed the story about this one woman and this one little story. Could have done that. But he didn't do that, did he? God left this story in the Bible to remind us that none of us deserve God's love. None of us, none of us, but God desires to love us. And he looks past our label. None of us. Paul said it like this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your best works, your best righteousness, your best deeds mean nothing without the grace of God. It's just simply you trying. It's simply you try. Good people, bad people, all people need God's grace. And that's what this woman represents to us today. Another interesting thing about this story is that when she's mentioned in the Bible, and she's mentioned six different times, six different times, she's mentioned three times in the New Testament, five of the six times she's called a prostitute. Five of the six times. Like, why? There's something about this identity. There's something about this identity from my perspective. It's because God wants to see, uh, wants us to see that it's never too late to be used by Him. It's never too late. No matter what your past, no matter the kinds of mistakes, no, no matter the problems that you've gotten yourself into, God can use your past. I love this. No matter your past, God can visit your junkyard. And God can turn your pain into gain. God can turn your mess into messages of grace. Because that's the God that we serve today. He takes this mess that we make of our life. And when we submit it to Him and the power of His grace, guess what? Change happens. Our lives are changed. Your life today is not defined by your label. Your life today is not defined by your label, but by God's love. Your life, who you are, you got to hear that today. So many people want to put labels on people. Guys, you are God's child today. 
That's your label. You're a son and a daughter of God. Created in His image. To receive His grace. To be carriers of His grace. I love the way Paul the Apostle said it to the church at Ephesus. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. Listen, before you were a glimmer or a gleam in your daddy's eye, God chose you before the creation of the world to be holy. Everyone say holy and blameless in his sight, in love, in love, God chose you. In love, God chose you. In love, when Jesus hung from the cross, when he took all the sins of the world, all your sins, all your mistakes, all your shame, all your labels. When he, when he went to the cross, He did it because He loved you. I love the simplest, most profound quoted verse in the Bible. Everyone in this room, if you've been around church for any period of the time, you've heard it. If you've grown up in the church, you've had it memorized from the child. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves people today. God loved this woman, Rahab. I don't know why he went to her. I said, well, why, you know, God could have went to the little grandma in Jericho. You know, that little sweet grandma that makes banana bread cake for all the neighbors and walks around and does good deeds. He could have, you know, that little mom over there, she's a good housewife. and She's got three little rugrats running around her. And she takes care of her husband and cooks. I mean, she's a good lady. And no, 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 but God comes to a prostitute. He comes to the least to show that he's the greatest. You see, that's what God's grace does in our life. When we look at the pages of Scripture, we see over and over and over, God goes to people who are unqualified. Because, listen, God's not just looking for people who are qualified. God takes the unqualified, and He qualifies them for His purposes. He took Moses, who murdered a man, and He made him into the greatest leader that Israel ever had. He took Peter, who was just a crusty fisherman, a young man who just, you know, more four-letter words come out of his mouth than words that were straight and clean. He was a crusty man, crusty young guy, just living life. Jesus passes his way, and he turns him into an apostle of faith and a pillar of the church. And Jesus said, Peter, upon you, upon this rock, I will build my church. He takes Paul, a do-gooder, a religious zealot, a terrorist, if you want to call him. Terrorists for his cause, going from house to house, persecuting Christians. God takes this Paul and he drew, and God transforms his life to become the great apostle of faith who literally is instigating the building of the church that we are in today. He, he's the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament scriptures. Rahab was a prostitute, but God saw her as a valuable, courageous woman of faith who became a great, great grandmother of our Lord and Savior. Think about it. To go from the pages of a prostitution in a storybook into the reality that in her lineage, the Lord Jesus Christ came. So I've met a lot of people in life who identify themselves by their labels. They're stuck. They're stuck in the labels that others or even themselves have put on them. They're addicted, abandoned, they're unfaithful, they're a critter, they're a criminal, they're a failure, they're an alcoholic, they're depressed, they're unworthy, they're abused, they're anxious, they're fearful. Lives are locked up by these labels, unable to see themselves as the way that Christ sees them. 
But I want you to know today that God looks past your labels. God looks past your labels. And he offers you amazing grace. The second thing that I want you to see this morning as we look at the story of this woman of faith. Yes, she's a woman of faith. The Bible tells us that. You see, the second thing I want you to know this morning about this cord is that this cord represents that God is seeking those who will simply believe. God is seeking after those who will simply believe, no matter their position or place in this life and their current moment. I call this saving faith. This is saving faith. People who will believe. The spies enter into this world, this woman's world as a reminder to us that God is seeking out and saving those who were lost. God sends the right people at the right time in our life. Rahab's faith wasn't a perfect faith. She was a prostitute. And she's thrown into this world, into this encounter with these two men that would change her life. She knew something was happening. She knew that her world was about to change. I don't know how she knew. We don't know all the the history, background, what took place in her life today. But what we do know is that when she met these two men, she knew who they were. In verse number four of our story, the Bible says, But the woman had taken the two men and she hid them. And she said, She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. These two spies had come in to Jericho to spy out the land, to see what kind of environment there was. For when the children of Israel would come in, they were going to wreak havoc. They were going to conquer this city. This was one of the promised places that God had called them to. She lied. (laughs) She hid. She practiced civil disobedience. The king sends her a message, and she completely discards it, and she chooses to conceal the fact that these two men we're in her home. You know, I thought about this. I thought about, you know, the whole issue of lying in our culture today. Sometimes people, people expect other people who are just coming to faith to be perfect in their life. People expect pastors to be perfect. People expect their politicians. People expect all kinds of people. Everyone but themselves. <laughs> Everybody but themselves. The fact is, her faith was imperfect. She was just, come on, this lady was a prostitute, and she was doing what she thought she should do. The Bible doesn't condemn it. The Bible doesn't condone it. It just states the fact. This is what she did. She hid them. This is what the Bible says about that action. Her action. The action that she did represented her faith. She knew who these men were. She knew what they represented. She knew what was coming down the pike for her city. The Bible says in the book of James, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Grace saved her, but faith caused her to take the right action. Faith without works is dead. I mean, God didn't just save you so you could make it to heaven. God saved you for purpose. God created you for destiny. God's plans for our life as imperfectly as we live them are good. This scarlet cord represents the life of faith. A true faith that pleases God is not one of sinless perfection, but a trusting faith in a sinless God. 
So many, so many times in my life, I tried to get over challenges. I tried to get over problems in my life by trying harder. And what I've discovered in my life is that it's not me trying harder. It's me trusting God more. It's me really learning to trust in the grace of God. The same grace that saved me is the same grace that keeps me from my own stupid decisions. It's God's grace. We want to try harder. We want to do more. We want to pull ourselves up. We want to get free from that addiction. We want to get free from that problem. And God is just saying, trust me. Come on, we all experience this. I experienced this in this last year as we've gone through this process of trying to move our church forward. There were so many opportunities where I tried so hard and it just seemed like it got to no avail. I just had to trust God. I've literally had to trust God up to the final moment. I've never seen it so hard. We paid $2.75 million for that property. You got it on that little white sheet that you were handed this morning when you came in. I never tried so hard to give $2.75 million to someone else. It took almost two weeks. God's called us to trust Him today. See, Rahab today represents God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. There's a saving faith that takes us to heaven. But when we're saved, our works... Our works will reveal the genuineness of our faith. Our deeds, what we do, how we talk, how we live our life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your good deeds are a reflection of the grace of Christ that is at work in you. Your good deeds were called to His workmanship. We're called to do good. The Bible says that as all that means within you to do good to all, to the best of our ability, we walk in love, we walk in forgiveness, we walk in hope, we walk in generosity. Those are good deeds. We serve. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a sacrifice for many. See, this woman's faith, her faith today was a true reflection of her desire to know this God. Rahab, this faith that she encountered, this, this grace that she encountered at that moment was a demonstration and was rewarded by her actions. Something inside of Rahab knew that God was real. When God came by her way, she began to make a declaration. The Bible says that with the mouth, man confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. We believe in our heart, but we confess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll be saved. There's something powerful about speaking the name of Jesus. There's something powerful about confessing the future and the destiny that God has you in a positive direction. There's something powerful about quoting the scriptures over your life and the promises of God over your future. It's power. There's power in your declaration. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue and you will eat the fruit thereof. I want you to see here in verse number 9 her declaration of faith concerning the promises of God. She says to these two spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on all of us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. I know that the Lord has 
has given you this land. I know today that God has called you to be a victor. I know today that God has called you to walk in forgiveness. I know today that God has called you to rise above and not to live beneath. I know that God has called you to be a victor and a champion in Christ today. Do you know why that that is? Because those are the promises of God. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. Paul speaking of our salvation and talking talking about this experience of faith. He says, so listen, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news about Christ. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring that by faith you are saved. The moment we declare by faith, Jesus is Lord. Set something in our heart. For many people, they claim to know God. They came to believe in God, but they have this faith that hasn't been activated. They're not able to tell other people. They're not able to share what Christ has done in their life. This woman speaks faith. I know that the Lord has given you this land. Her faith leads her to action. Her faith leads her to action because destruction that's imminent is coming to Jericho. And she begins to speak these words. She says, now listen to me. Swear by me that the Lord will show kindness. That the Lord will show kindness to my family. Because I've showed kindness to you. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. that You will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and my sisters. And all who belong to them. And that you will save us from death. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. The scarlet rope represents God's amazing grace. The scarlet rope represents in her life faith that was activated by her action when she hid these two men. When she declared she knew the God of Israel. She knew His promises. She knew what was about to happen. This faith is represented in the scarlet cord that she would use to save these two men as she let them down over the side of the rope. See, faith is always demonstrated by your action and not by your discussion. Faith is demonstrated by your walk and not just by your talk. Her faith. Faith is always demonstrated by your action. People say they believe in God, but there's nothing following that belief. Jesus said you're like a city that's set on a hill. You'll be a light to the world. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be people that penetrate with the good news of Jesus Christ, our cultures, our communities, our cities. That city church is moving forward. We're people of faith. We're people of grace who have experienced the forgiveness of God. But we're also people who are on target with our mission. Our mission has always been and always will be to bring God's love to the city one person at a time. To serve God in our community by, by, by giving, by sharing, by loving. Everywhere we go, we have a message of hope to this generation that God loves people. God wants to forgive people. God wants to change people. You see, the fact is today, people, when they come to Christ, they will change. You will change. Paul the Apostle talked about this change of life. He said, listen, guys, before you came to Christ, some of you were adulterers, some of you were alcoholics, some of you were liars, some of you were stealers, some of you were homosexuals. Such were some of you. 
But you have been changed by the grace of God. You are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. And now you become new. You have a new label. You have a new identity. You have a new reason for living. A new hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Christ is in you. The hope of glory. And if Christ is in you, nothing can stop you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Come on. Give God a praise this morning. God's for you today. She has grace. It's activated. Her faith has activated her life to a new dimension. And now she takes action. I call this obedience. It's the third strand in this red scarlet cord that you have in your hand. When you take action to obey God, you experience His blessing. God blesses those who obey Him. Verses 15 through 18, we see this conversation that she has. They take this scarlet rope and they go down over the side. And their last words to her was, when we enter into this land, tie this scarlet cord into the window that you have let us down through. And if we see this scarlet cord and we come back, you and your family will be saved. Tie the cord in the window. Keep your family and everyone inside. Don't expose our mission. See, she had a word. She had a word. She had a word. If her life was going to be blessed, if her and her family were going to be saved, she had to obey. Jesus speaking about the kingdom life that we were to live. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built His house upon the rock. God has given us clear instructions on how to keep our lives from being destroyed by the enemy of our soul. And I love this in verse number 21. She demonstrates her faith by her obedience. She agreed with them. She says, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. She acts immediately. She acts immediately. When God says it to her, when God speaks to her through these two men, she immediately does it. Guys, that's true faith. That's true obedience. I remember when I was a young Christian, I, I, I was walking out to the garbage can. I was over in an apartment complex, and I had a bag of garbage. And when I threw my garbage into the can, I heard this still small voice said, pick up all the garbage around the can. And I'm like, nah, that's not God. <laughs> Got a woman. I mean, and it was a typical apartment. There was garbage all around this camp. I'm like, nah, God doesn't work like that. <laughs> it ain't God. I don't know whose voice that is, but I tried to walk away from that garbage can, and I kept hearing this voice: "Pick up, still small. Pick up all the garbage around the garbage can." I, I'm I'm trying to walk. I'm about ten feet away, and I finally, if somebody was watching me, it must have like a yo-yo. I was going back and forth. I'm arguing with God in the parking lot. And finally, I turn around. And I pick up all the garbage. And the moment I did it, you know what I felt? I felt peace. I felt peace. I knew that I had the pleasure of God. You're sitting at home and you're watching television. And all of a sudden, television program comes on. And you feel this little still voice that says, you know, you should probably not watch that program. Turn the TV off. You rest, well, it's not that bad. Well, I heard that this person watched that program. I saw this person on Facebook. They watched that program. 
it's okay. You're wrestling now, and you're pushing back and forth. The problem is, once you sit down and start with remote control, it's almost impossible to turn off. <laughs> when you obey, you find the peace of God. Whatever it is in your life, whatever it is, whatever area God's speaking to you about, because God does speak. As you open the scriptures and you begin to read the Bible and you begin to study, you find over and over there are lots of things that God is saying, listen, if you want the blessed life, if you want my life, if you want the rest of your life to truly be the best of your life, you'll do these things. You'll refrain from these things. Paul tells the church at Colossae, put off these things. Put off all the things of the world, all the carnality and the lust and the sensual living and living for yourself. Put on these things. Put on righteousness. Put on love. Put on purity. Put on. Put on the full armor of God. Rahab, this woman, she demonstrates her faith through obedience. The Bible calls this the fear of the Lord. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says, Now, city church, what does the Lord require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God. You walk in awe of Him. And you live in a way that pleases Him. And love Him and serve Him with all your heart and soul. What pleases God? When you believe, when your belief in God leads you to action. To do good. To, to love justice. And to walk in mercy. Hebrews says it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she was given a friendly welcome to the spies. You know why? She hung the scarlet cord in the window. Every person here should have got a little scarlet cord. And This morning, this scarlet cord in your life represents three things. It represents the grace of God that you didn't deserve. The grace of God that came to you. The grace of God that comes to me. This scarlet cord represents a life of faith, a faith that works, a faith that does what God has asked us to do, which is represented in a life of obedience. Say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. My wife loves to quote this passage out of the message translation when Jesus talks about obeying God in the kingdom. He He says it's a long walk of obedience going the same direction. Just keep going towards God. Keep going towards God. Not trying harder. Trusting more in His grace. Not trying to do it on your own strength. I love the verse that Keith quoted this morning out of Isaiah. When we're weak is when we really see His strength in our life. I felt weak this morning. Guys, I've been working and trying to make all these things happen in my world. and I felt weak when I came here today. And I feel the grace of God. When we're weak, in our weakness become strong. That's what God does in your life. You know, when God, when God looks down from heaven, He sees the red rope hanging in the light district and He sees a woman crying out for deliverance and for her family. That's where God, that's where God activates faith. When God sees the red rope hanging in the home of a distraught mom, sees her faith crying out to Him for desperation, that's where God releases His grace. When God sees the red rope hanging from the shop of a business owner, it's a person trusting God for their provision to supply and meet their needs. That's where God sees that red rope and says, I will provide. When God sees the red rope hanging in the locker room of a middle or high school student, 
He sees a student getting ready to take an exam. <laughs> uh, he sees a young man or young woman fighting the spiritual onslaught of darkness, seeking to suck them into the abyss of confusion and unbelief of our generation. Today, this scarlet cord represents God's grace. God's grace that comes into our life in just the right moment, in just the right season. That faith that God has deposited into your life by His Spirit is activated when you say, yes. I mean, her faith was activated. She hid these spies. She put the cord in the window. And because of that, not only was she saved, her whole family, because she obeyed. The more you say yes to Jesus, the more you say yes to Jesus, the more you experience His grace. You say, yes, Jesus. I would say, yes, Jesus. The church family, we're moving forward today. We said yes to Jesus. We said yes to the challenge that God has laid before us. Listen, guys, moving forward in God is seldom easy. Moving into your destiny is seldom easy. There were battles. There were challenges. There were armies that opposed them. But they knew that God was with them. God is with you today and your family. God is with me today in this church. God is with us as a church community. God's gone before us. Last week, I gave you a little card. I'm going to have you pull this card. Everyone should have got one of these when you came in this morning. There was three things that I'm asking us to pray for as a church family today. There's three things that I'm going to ask you to pray for. Three things I'm going to ask you to pray for and three things that I'm going to ask you to do as we move forward in Him. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to give. I'm going to ask you to serve. But I believe that someone in this room before I go any farther in this message, I believe that someone in this room, God's been speaking to you. You've been trying so hard. God just says, simply trust in my grace. You've been trying. You won't even try to do good things, but those good things in your own power will never make it. They'll never cause the change that you're looking for. That change only comes when God comes by His power and by His Spirit. By my Spirit, says the by my spirit, not by my mind, but by his spirit, says the Lord. I want you to close your eyes. You're in this room. And today you know you need a touch of grace. You need a fresh touch, a fresh revelation. Come on. Come on. You need it. However God brings it into your world and brings it into your life, you need a fresh revelation of his grace and kindness in your life. Maybe you've been struggling with your faith and saying yes to God. You've been trying, but it's just not working. You say, I want to trust the Lord more today. I want to just, oh, I do today. I want to surrender it all to Him. Today there's an area of your life you've been struggling in obedience. God's asked you to do something. You find there's such a struggle in your heart. I want you to know that although you might not be able to on your own, with God you can today. If you're here this morning, you need a fresh revelation, a fresh touch of God's grace. If that's you, when I count to three, can you raise your hand? 